Now, the one who protects us all from prattling prognosticators and perfidious pundits. I say, America, stay out the bushes. Look for the Union Naval. That's to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. From my cold, dead hands. I'm concerned that if we don't impeach this president, he will get reelected. It's time for the Alan Nathan Show. Here he is, the longest-running nationally syndicated centrist host in the country, Alan Nathan. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you could be with us. If this is your virgin voyage, allow me to share with you our mantra. Folks, we want the Republicans out of our bedroom, the Democrats out of our wallets, and both out of our First and Second Amendment rights. We feel there exists this cavernous gap separating the two orthodoxies and that it's a gap comprised of many degreed thinking people who can argue quite passionately in shades of gray. And to that end, each and every show, we have fine guests to help best illustrate this point. Today is no exception. Also, if you wish to hook up with us on the web, it's www.alannathan.com. Don't forget that email address, alan at alannathan.com. That's A-L-A-N. Coming at you live and strong each and every Monday through Friday at this time. Don't forget the classic Alan Nathan Show, Saturdays, 6 to 7 p.m. And overnight Sunday mornings, 3 to 4, all times Eastern. We are indeed a Main Street Radio Network production. Please check us out at MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. Feel free to avail yourselves of our nascent but always robust Twitter and Facebook options that we have there for you. And, of course, with great dispatch and alacrity, we'd love to thank our distributor, the Salem Radio Network. That's right. The Alan Nathan Show is entering its 25th year of national syndication, all thanks to you, reaching about 800 towns and cities across a couple of hundred radio station broadcasts each week. Again, all thanks to you. And, by the way, I don't care if you're part of the authoritarian left or perpetually clueless right. Please get out of the thought control business. Our topics du jour, as you may have heard, well, 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 Democrats panic over a thunderously, thunderously critical ABC Washington Post poll showing that Americans widely think that Trump did better with the economy than has Biden and that the president is not mentally or physically fit for the job, thus handing him a 36-point approval rating. What's next? Folks, there's a lot of different categories of problems for this president. What I've just mentioned to you is merely just a peripheral observation. Please do not think of it as a conclusive analysis because there is a whole lot more. Uh, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing all front of the show, former state senator Ted Harvey, a uh, Republican out of the great state of Colorado, who's chairman of the, he is chairman of the Committee to Defeat the President at StopJoe.com. He also served as a White House staffer under President Ronald Reagan, was district office manager for Congressman Joel Heffley, as well as uh, having served in uh, Colorado's House of Representatives. Uh, good to have you back, Senator. How are you today? I am great. Good morning. Thanks for having me on. No, pleasure as always. A pleasure of voice. I want to dive right into this because um, there's some head-shaking developments. Uh, now, when Biden announced that he'd be running for re-election, at that time, Gallup I think Gallup had a poll out showing that about 75% of the country said the economy was getting worse. Now the latest ABC Washington Post poll says that Trump did better with our economy than has Biden and that the president is neither mentally uh, nor physically up, uh, fit for the job. Now, assuming that the politicized Biden DOJ does not put Trump in jail to keep him out of the Oval Office, does a Trump-DeSantis ticket seem likely to win in 2024? I know I'm presupposing with the DeSantis part of that, but honestly, if he's going to choose somebody, he'd be a blithering idiot not to choose DeSantis, assuming DeSantis doesn't take him out during the nomination process. So am I wrong in saying that a hypothetical Trump-DeSantis ticket would be theirs to lose, given all these plummeting numbers for Biden and Kamala Harris? Your take. Well, I think... Uh Trump DeSantis ticket would be a great ticket. I don't want that to be the ticket, though. I want DeSantis to, to stay where he is. We need great governors across the country, and I want DeSantis to run in 2028. Um, but I, I think that... Well, hold on, hold on. These two things are not mutually exclusive. He can be uh, a, a running mate to Trump in 2024 and still be the guy who wins in 2028. Oh, definitely. But I want him to stay as the governor of Florida for the next four years. We need great governors, and he is obviously the best governor we have out there. Yeah, but think um, of it this uh, way. If he's in the Oval Office, 
other governors can emulate a guy that they see had won a winning hand and is taking that winning hand to the Oval Office. But never mind. I'm, I'm, I'm just shooting the breeze with you on that point. Go ahead. You were going to say. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I personally think Tim Scott uh, out of South Carolina would be a, a great VP pick. And you see him making the rounds up in Iowa and uh, getting his name out there. I think that he is definitely auditioning for the vice president role. I don't think he has any um, – misunderstandings that he's going to be president of the United States. I think he's trying to get his name out there to the voters to say, I love Scott. You know what? He may surprise everybody and do it. I love Scott. I I think he's a great choice as well. Um, I love him, but uh, you know, like you, I want DeSantis at least by 2028. And I wouldn't want to see a vice president, Tim Scott, have to go up against DeSantis. I mean, come on. Why have two faves go at him? (laughs) Again, we're just shooting the breeze. Um, Some of these numbers were really crazy though, because when I say that Americans believe that Trump did a better job with our nation's financial health, I mean they gave Trump a 54% approval rating over Biden's anemic 36 backing. My question is, what, what idiots comprise that 36%? And, and are there support groups to help with their instability? Uh, who, could, how could anybody think they're getting something out of this administration? Well, it's his base. It's, it's the Democrat base, and, and they are never going to leave. They don't watch anything that MSNBC and, and CNN, so they don't realize how bad the economy is and how bad the economy is going to get in the next 12 months. Um, so they think everything's just fine. You know, it's the it's the ivory tower elite in, in the in the public education system and probably in the bureaucratic system in Washington D.C. But outside of that. The rest of the country sees how bad the economy is getting, and they realize that there's banks collapsing almost every week across the country, and it's only going to get worse. And, and doesn't the that, my friend, my friend doesn't that transcend the normal lockdown of information courtesy of MSNBC and CNN and the rest of the networks, the rest of the mainstream media? Because, sure, if you're talking about things in an esoteric fashion, yeah, they can put all the spin they want and always make the Democrats look as if they have the upper hand in any, any of these debates. Just because they have, um, you know, transcending um, propaganda control. Uh, But that notwithstanding, when it comes to certain issues that affect you every day, that hurt you personally, like uh, worthwhile jobs going out the out the window and and, um, you know, a participation rate of employment that really means anything, uh, it being that much more difficult to buy a home. Uh, food prices going up, gas prices still too high, banks foreclosing all the time. I mean, when, these are the kinds of things that affect people personally. And at that point, all of a sudden, TV spin has less of an impact because people are then able to say to themselves, wait a minute, who am I going to believe, these people talking to me or my own lying eyes and ears? Your sense of it, Senator. they're going to be listening to themselves. They're going to be listening to their families sitting around the kitchen table. Um, They realize how bad things are. And and you didn't throw in there what's happening on the southern border where we are literally being invaded. And the administration is, is, at this point, it's treasonous that they are not – closing the border and stopping what's going on down there. And the American people see that. And they also see that Joe Biden, when he is on television, is a a frail old man. And um, he's embarrassing this country every time he opens his mouth. And they see that. And they are not um, they are not going to continue to support him going into the next election cycle. And, you know, I, I, I personally believe at this point, He's essentially a decoy for the Democrat Party, and they don't think he's going to run, but they're keeping all the attention on him rather than on other Democrat candidates that probably will get in closer to the election. Well, you know, he's the one who's declared, and the DNC has already said they're not going to have open debate, so they are rallying behind this guy. Um, and, and he's insisting that he's going to run, and he only announced last month that he was going to be running for re-election. George Stephanopoulos of ABC's... Uh, this week is very concerned. Let's hear a bit of what he had to say. Clip one, James, if you please. 
This poll is just brutal for President Biden. Absolutely, George. And you talked earlier about that record low approval rating for President Biden. It's actually six points down just since February. And the skepticism over his leadership extends deep inside his own party. Only 36 percent of Democrats think that their party should nominate Joe Biden for a second term. Fifty eight percent say they would uh, support someone else or prefer someone else. That's despite the fact that the entire DNC, most of the Democratic establishment, has rallied behind President Biden. And you're seeing real weaknesses in the coalition that powered Joe Biden to the presidency back in, in 2020. Biden carried independence by 13 points against Donald Trump. He is now trailing Trump by nine points among those same voters. He carried black voters by 75 points in 2020. Now he is up just 35. That may sound like a lot, but the fact of the matter is, in, in modern politics, that is not the kind of number that a Democrat needs to be victorious. And then, of course, that, that does spill over into the head-to-head -head matchup, the hypothetical rematch, Trump versus Biden. Right now, a seven-point edge in our poll from uh, in Trump leading Biden. Amazing. Um, black support for Biden has dropped by 30 points. Um, it's gone up uh, for Trump uh, from 12 to 27. Uh, major indicators. Yes, Senator? If Trump gets 27 percent of the black vote, he, he's the next president of the United States. Final word on this issue. Former state Senator Ted Harvey. Always a blast, folks. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show right here on the Main Street Radio Network. This message is provided by Beringer Engelheim. Idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, or IPF, is one of the more common forms of progressive fibrosing interstitial lung diseases with symptoms including breathlessness during activity, a dry and persistent cough, chest discomfort, fatigue, and weakness. There are more than 200 lung disorders that can lead to pulmonary fibrosis, an irreversible scarring of lungs that can negatively impact lung function, quality of life, and may become life-threatening. While approved treatments for people living with these diseases can help slow disease progression, new therapies are needed to help potentially stop progression. Fortunately, there is new research underway to assess the safety and efficacy of an investigational treatment in patients with IPF and other progressive ILDs. This is part of Beringer Ingelheim's Phase 3 Global Fibronir Program. To learn more about Fibronir and eligibility requirements, visit fibronir-ipf.longboat.com and fibronir-ild.longboat.com. This is sponsored by IBM. Job seekers, students, and career changers want to pursue roles in science, technology, engineering, and math, but aren't familiar with career options. At the same time, online training and digital credentials are emerging as a recognized pathway to opportunity. Misconceptions about the cost of training and what's required are often roadblocks to success. To tackle this and bring STEM education closer to underrepresented communities, IBM SkillsBuild is announcing 45 new educational partners. IBM SkillsBuild is a free education program focused on underrepresented communities in tech, helping all develop valuable new skills and access to career opportunities. Justina Nixon St. Till, IBM Chief Impact Officer. Technology training can have a transformational effect on a person's life. IBM is committed to raising awareness of the many roles that exist across industries in science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. IBM Skills Build continues to grow with new partners around the world, working together to scale 30 million people by 2030. For more, skillsbuild.org. Dear John, I was hoping it wouldn't come to this, but you've left me no choice. I'm leaving. Uncontrolled high blood pressure is really serious, and lately you seem to really not care. I've been there for you since day one, and I know you think I'm going to keep ticking. But no, my friend, I can quit whenever I want. Why can't we get back to the good times when we were more active and ate more healthy foods and you checked on me every once in a while? Is that too much to ask? I don't want to leave, but unless you stop ignoring me, what else am I supposed to do? Remember, when I quit, you quit. Sincerely, your heart. Listen to your heart and don't let it quit on you. Doing the minimum to control your high blood pressure isn't doing enough. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. For help keeping yours at a healthy range, text PRESSURE to 97779. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. The mission of Paralyzed Veterans of America is clear. Accessibility. Veterans who have served and sacrificed the best of themselves deserve access to the best our country has to offer. Access to meaningful employment. Access to the veterans' benefits they've earned. Accessible homes and vehicles. And access to every part of their communities. With PVA staff working inside VA hospitals, 
No other veterans organization has provided more real-time, ongoing support for paralyzed veterans and their families. PVA is proud to serve veterans across all branches, all generations, and all conflicts. Our nation's heroes fought for your independence. Join PVA in fighting for theirs at pva.org. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. Absolutely delighted you'd be with us. Uh, so much going on, so little time into which we uh, can delve, but we're trying anyway. It's sort of an umbrella encapsulation of the nation when you look at it. Uh, Democrats are panicking over a thunderously critical ABC Washington Post poll showing that Americans widely think that Trump did a better job with the economy than has Biden and that the current occupant of the Oval Office is not mentally fit or physically fit for the job, and they've handed him an overall 36% approval rating. But when you break down the numbers, the news uh, gets worse and worse and worse. Um, He's losing losing a bunch of folks who were normally part of his uh, devoted base. Um, Matter of fact, this uh, same ABC Washington Post poll reveals that there is a 30-point drop in black support for Biden. It was 82% upon inauguration, but has sunk to 52% now. Alternatively, black support has trumped, rather I should say black support for Trump, has more than doubled. I mean, from the beginning uh, to the end of his term, it had risen from 8 to 12%. Now it stands at 27%. It has more than doubled. Now, there's a wide array of reasons explaining this progression, but, you know, you got to wonder what, what strikes folks as the most likely also um, we're noticing that uh, Hispanic support is also dropping. Last month, Quinnipiac reported that Hispanics have soured on him to the point where now only 26% approve of his presidency. 26%. He was in the 50s. How does Biden get any lower without joining the ranks of a perceived enemy? I mean, bank robbers have better numbers than this guy. How did he turn off this community to such an extent? Another group he's turning off? Or Asians. He's lost 30 points with them over the last year, year and a half. If memory serves, I don't have the poll right in front of me, but I'm pretty sure that that's what occurred. Maybe uh, my uh, upcoming guest can help me out with that. Kenny Ju joins us, old friend of the show. He is president of Colorist United, which advocates for a colorblind society. He's also author of An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asians. Um, he, and, and I want to talk with Kenny, good to have you back today. How are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks. Uh, am, am I off the mark on this one? I mean, has he lost ground with uh, the Asian community almost as precipitously as he has with blacks and Hispanics? You're not off the mark. In 2022, the Asians in New York City, which is kind of a bellwether for Asian votes, sure. uh, voted uh, more Republican than Democrat. That's historic. Remember when Obama captured 73% of the Asian vote? It's not I mean, happening anymore. No. Well, for one of the reasons is because the Democrats have have gotten to the point where they're marginalizing Asians, uh, trying to cast them as um, white supremacist adjacent. You know what I'm saying? It's it's so it's so bizarre. They can't make the case against white supremacy uh, on white supremacy either, but it's 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 as if they are trying to do everything they can to deny Asians an equal shot in the academic arena. Um, it's as if they want to. As a matter of fact, uh, you are here to chat with us today about how uh, a UNC medical school says black students can't handle lectures, and their director of surgery says that merit is hateful. See, right now we have DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is really just replacing um, equality, merit, and colorblindness. Uh, the latter uh, triple play has always been a healthy mainstay of modern America, allow folks to rise and fall as they can and give them a chance to improve their skills and then re-enter the arena one more time and do it over and over and over again. You know, let arguments rise and fall on the merits as well. But now uh, the Democrats really want to allocate resources based on pigmentation versus um, individuality. And I think people are starting to catch on to it. I can't think of any other reason why Hispanics, blacks, and Asians are almost united in their, in their 
I don't know, disappointment with the Democrats as of late, or am I seeing too much into this, Kenny? You're not. And in that Federalist article, I talk about how one, but really, he he claims that the entire school believes that merit is hateful um, in the Department of Surgery. Uh, And he wants surgery to be more inclusive. And this is just a quick quick gut check with your listeners, Alan. How many of y'all really want surgery to be more inclusive? (laughs) <laughs> no, we I'm, want the best of the best to operate on. Us. Think about it. Just yeah, think yeah, about it, it for a second. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is just absolutely insane that they're using these measures uh, because they're they have this inverted burden of proof logic, wherein um, the agenda's goal is somehow its point of validity, and the reality is an agenda is never validated by its stated goal. Because that's the job of the agenda, to validate itself by showing how it will achieve that stated goal. If you want to have more of a particular group uh, possessing a particular expertise and getting certain kinds of degrees, then the focus should be on helping them to work at it, not by allocating to them the prize before the work has been realized. Or am I seeing too much into this? No, you're not. And if you agree with me that merit should be the most important criteria in the healthcare profession, I ask that you sign our petition at colorusunited.org, colorusunited.org, our UNC petition, really speaking for all medical schools out there. We're looking for 10,000 signatures, and your voice is important. You heard that? Uh, Give the information one more time, Kenny, if you wouldn't mind. Go ahead. Yeah, colorusunited.org, colorusunited.org. That's our petition. Save our children. Save our merit-based healthcare system. It does appear as if uh, they're, they're pro- I think they're really on the wrong track. I mean, um, is, is it fair to say that we're seeing the limits of the left's identity politics replacing successful policies as the new would-be measure of electoral success? I mean, because the, the, mm-hmm. the left's measure of electoral success has always been, hey, vote for me and I'll give you more out of the Treasury than the other guy. And then they would pander to whatever uh, you know, you know, whatever demographic was in front of them when using this approach, and I think most of us just want better commerce for all to have more, if you will, to let all of us have more versus counting on government partisans to dole out what they think we should have from the very economy over which they diminish in the name of doing the greater good. Or again, am I being too snarky, Kenny Zhu? The the left has always had a very dim view of merit. A lot of the leftists don't even believe merit exists. But here's the thing. Everybody judges people on something. So if you're not going to judge people based on their competence and their qualifications as measured by things like SAT, MCAT scores, uh, your GPA, uh, your work experience, those kinds of things, then what are you going to measure people on? Huh? Race? That's what the left is moving to. No, no. The only way I think race should enter into it is if you can see that uh, perhaps folks need a little bit more assistance, not predetermined that they're so incapable of the same level of self-determination and self-actualization as, as other groups that might perhaps be doing better. But just understand that these folks might need a little more assistance in gaining the tools. But don't give them a prize before said tools have been realized. Let them have the additional tools needed so that they can get those prizes on their own and, and enjoy the, the, the self-esteem that comes with that. Uh, or am I being too Pollyanna-like about this, Kenny Shu? <laughs> I like the word. No, there have always been two structures in American society. One has been equal opportunity. You want to help the underserved. But there's always been the structure of excellence. You want to make sure the excellence are promoted because those are the people that are going to help you in your health care outcomes and every other outcome in the future. The, the danger is when you try to use those two together in the same situation, and that's what DEI and healthcare does. You sign our petition at color. Final word, Kenny Jew, thanks again. From NAACP Image Award-nominated author Elise Bryant comes a new rom-com about two teens who overcome misconnections and find their way to love. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling follows two people who seemingly have nothing in common, but after a year of chance encounters, begin to think the universe may be telling them something. Dungeons and Dragons-obsessed Reggie and emotionally bottled-up Delilah meet for the first time on New Year's Eve and again on Valentine's Day. And on 
random occasions throughout the year. They're drawn to each other, though they are each too insecure to be their true selves. So what happens once they realize they've each fallen for a version of the other that doesn't really exist? Author Elise Bryant. This is a sweet and funny romantic story in which the characters learn to overcome their fears and discover who they truly are. I hope readers enjoy going along in this ride with Reggie and Delilah and maybe learn something about themselves along the way. Reggie and Delilah's Year of Falling is now available wherever books are sold. Spring is here, and there's no better time to try something new. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar and enjoy real Coke taste and zero sugar. Now available at participating Burger King restaurants. Try Coke Zero Sugar with your favorite food from Burger King. Satisfy your hunger and enjoy Coke Zero Sugar with a piping hot breakfast sandwich, like a sausage, egg, and cheese croissant sandwich. Sizzling sausage, fluffy eggs, and melted American cheese on a toasted croissant makes for a delicious breakfast to start your morning right. And don't forget the crispy hash browns. Or if the flame-grilled Whopper sandwich, BK Royal crispy chicken sandwich, or chicken fries are your fave, you are in luck. All Burger King menu items pair perfectly with an ice-cold Coke Zero Sugar. It's the perfect no-sugar sparkling beverage that goes great with everything. Take a taste of Coke Zero Sugar to enjoy spring your way at Burger King, where you rule. At participating U.S. Burger King restaurants. Sponsored by Coca-Cola. Steven. Who said that? Me, down here. <gasps> what are you, a yellow booger? I'm a banana slug, Steven. Well, uh, what are you doing in my room? I'm your sense of adventure. Don't you remember me? Don't you know that we miss you? Miss me? Who misses me? You know, all your friends in the forest. The trees, the pond, that little fort that you made out of branches. We all miss you. Mom took me to the forest last year. I'm a slug, Steven. It took me a long time to get here. Oh, I guess that makes sense. The forest is not that far away. Have an adventure today. I'm sure your mom would take you. You're right. I should get out. I want to have fun. Climb puddles, catch frogs, and climb trees. Hey, Mom! Yeah, hon? <gasps> Stephen! What is that in your hand? It's my sense of adventure, Mom. It's telling me we need to get out of the house and have some fun in nature today. Come to the forest where the more adventurous you lives. Check out discovertheforest.org for cool places nearby. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. You know that feeling? Like every door is closing and you just can't see a way out? Being unemployed, underemployed, or just out of school feels a lot like that. But when you find the right tools, suddenly everything just clicks. Getting on that path may be easier than you think. A good place to start? Go to findsomethingnew.org. At findsomethingnew.org, you have access to resources that help develop new skills. Skills that will position you for careers in today's growing industries. From healthcare and manufacturing to cybersecurity and alternative energy. Plus, you can take advantage of online courses, certification programs, apprenticeships, and more. So you can take yourself from unemployed and uncertain to empowered and prepared for what's next. Find your path to a new career today. Visit findsomethingnew.org. A message from the Ad Council. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny. When I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes. When we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. And I send the poll around to after 12 midnight. I sent it out at 12.02 <laughs> because it kept me up and I thought they should wake up and look at those numbers. You know what's 
sobered that the coalition that elected Joe Biden with the historic numbers that we saw in 2020, that coalition right now is fragmented. That should concern them. The second thing that should concern them, of course, is that they, they, they are still unable to get a real good, strong message to the American people, not just on their accomplishments, but where they want to take the country. <laughs> hey, boy. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the oasis for those who have an aversion to the left, right, black, white, two-dimensional approach. You were listening to more exchanges on ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos. Uh, uh, George says uh, you know, he's having trouble believing that uh, uh, ABC's poll about how 18% of the folks who think Trump should be charged with uh, a crime for ostensibly uh, trying to overturn the 2020 election would still vote for him over Biden. Uh, that was uh, none other than uh, Donna Brazil, former DNC chairwoman, saying that she stayed up late. She couldn't go to sleep after reading this poll from ABC. She fired it off to her fellow Democrats as soon as she could because she just thinks they need to be woken up. But what she wants to wake them up to do seems to uh, expose that she herself is still quite asleep. I mean, I want you to hear this clip again from Donna Brazil, and then let's discuss... Uh, in great detail, what's so wrong with it? Uh, clip five, James, again, if you please. George, I was told I could not send the poll around to after 12 midnight. I sent it out at 12.02 <laughs> because it kept me up, and I thought they should wake up and look at those numbers. You know what's sobering? That the coalition that elected Joe Biden with the historic numbers that we saw in 2020, that coalition right now is fragmented. That should concern them. The second thing that should concern them, of course, is that they, they, they are still unable to get a real good, strong message to the American people, not just on their accomplishments, but where they want to take the country. Now, let's look at the cavernous break between her assessment and what's really wrong. The disgraced former Democratic uh, National Committee chairman, chairwoman, Donna Brazil said she lost sleep over the poll, claiming the Democrats need to better message their accomplishments. This is what she came away with from the poll. Not that what they've done thus far is turning off Americans. They just need to better message their accomplishments. But if Democrats continue defining as accomplishments that which voters see as failures, won't that just continue their descent in the polls versus reversing them? What, what am I missing here? Why is there such a disconnect between the problem and their proposed solution for it. I mean, are, are they functionally illiterate, uh, delusional? I, I don't know. Maybe there's so bad faith in their denial that they'd rather hold on to the lie so as to look oblivious and therefore perhaps be less humiliated. I mean, this is just so strange. Just too strange. And you got George Stephanopoulos saying that this poll is just brutal for the president. Uh, he was especially incredulous that it additionally showed Trump beating Biden by 49 to 42% should the election be today. And that's well beyond the margin of error. Now, it's still clearly in the contest. I get that. But the numbers have been not only consistently trending down for Biden, they've been doing so in a provably rapid fashion, have they not? And you got to wonder, do these developing difficulties for Biden make it that much harder for the DOJ and FBI to claim neutrality in their investigations of Trump? I ask because everything they're doing can only look more and more like they're putting their thumb on the scale against the will of the electorate. What am I missing? Folks, have a quick listen to this. ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos. George is saying ABC's uh, new poll, the ABC Washington Post poll, is brutal. Uh, he's joined by guest ABC's Rick Klein. James, if you please. This poll is just brutal for President Biden. Absolutely, George. And you talked earlier about that record low approval rating for President Biden. It's actually six points down just since February. And the skepticism over his leadership extends deep inside his own party. Only 36 percent of Democrats think that their party should nominate Joe Biden for a second term. Fifty eight percent say they would uh, support someone else or prefer someone else. That's despite the fact that the entire DNC, most of the Democratic establishment, has rallied behind President Biden. And you're seeing real weaknesses in the coalition that powered Joe Biden 
Biden to the presidency back in, in 2020. Biden carried independence by 13 points against Donald Trump. He is now trailing Trump by nine points among those same voters. He carried black voters by 75 points in 2020. Now he is up just 35. That may sound like a lot, but the fact of the matter is, in, in modern politics, that is not the kind of number that a Democrat needs to be victorious. And I'll tell you, again, what I am really fa find fascinating is that even the very left-wing Huffington Post has decided to report on this wrinkle. It laments that 18% of those saying that Trump was responsible for attempting to overturn the 2020 election would still vote for him regardless. The left seems to be getting such a collective case of the vapors. I mean, there might soon be a national shortage on smelling salts. I mean, where are they going with this? And again, as I mentioned earlier, this poll, this ABC Washington Post poll, also reveals that there's a 30 point drop in black support for Biden. Again, it was 82% upon his inauguration, but it has since sunk to 52%. Alternatively, black support for Trump has really more than doubled. When you look at his entire term, 2016 to 2020, black support went from 8% to 12%. But now today, it stands at 27%. He has doubled his support since he's been out of office. Now, again, there's a whole host of reasons explaining this progression. But what do we think are the most likely ones? Is it maybe fair to say that we're seeing the limits to the left's identity politics, replacing successful policies as the new would-be measure of electoral success? I mean, seriously, that, uh, that, that was destined to fall apart. I mean, how do, how do we stop? letting dissent get strangled by the left's identity politics. I think it's easy. Keep pointing to polls like this. Also, simply expose it loudly when seen. Ferociously humiliate those practicing it and don't stop till they're curled up in a fetal position on a therapist's couch. Because again, too often, bad faith assertions of racism are the result of the Democrats placing politics behind pigmentation. And what they're doing is they're ensuring that objection to those politics can now be characterized as some sort of objection to the race behind which those politics are placed. This is identity politics. For instance, uh, right now, because the left refers to socialism as social justice and then tethers it to a multitude of minority identity groups, folks are no longer permitted to object to socialism. Why? Because doing so supposedly means they're objecting to the ethnicity of the group behind which that relabeled socialism now stands. I mean, how the hell does that cartoonish stunt expand rational discussion? How does it? When individuals or groups make bad faith assertions of racism, you know what's happening, people? They're actually committing racism in the name of fighting it. Why? Because they're using race to intimidate dissent on policy debates which means they're actually fulfilling the very definition of racist tactics, are they not? I mean, this should be abundantly clear to anybody with an IQ above Kleenex. That's what they do. They take socialism, they relabel it as social justice, and then they attach it to a minority identity group, thus ensuring that any criticism against socialism can now be characterized as criticism against the minorities of that identity group behind which that socialism has been relabeled and placed. That's all it is. Let's call socialism social justice. Sounds good. And then we're going to attach it to this ethnic identity group. That way, anybody who ever criticizes socialism will say they're actually criticizing this minority identity group. Again, behind which that relabeled socialism has been placed. That's it. Criticize socialism, you're criticizing blacks. You criticize socialism, you're criticizing Asians. You criticize socialism, you're criticizing Hispanics. Guess what? Blacks, Hispanics, and Asians are catching on. They're also seeing beyond some of their bad faith leaders, self-appointed leaders, who have an in with the Democrats that have made a deal to go ahead and bring along as many of those who look like them to the Democrat Party. They're selling out their demographic by treating their own as if they're monolithic. That's a sellout. Individuality is what reigns. This takes a village crap 
is just that, crap. Sounds nice. But unless you remember that the village is comprised of individuals, then you're not showing much respect for the village as a whole. You're going to allow a few at the top to dictate what everybody else should do. We have to remember, if we're all equal in potential with our capabilities, the same must be true with our fallibilities. If there's a par with the good, there's a par with the bad. Individuality is what matters most. And that's how all demographics get stronger. When your individuals rise in individual strength, then by default, the aggregate demographic benefits as well as the rest of humanity because humanity as a whole is comprised of all these demographics. We want everybody to rise, not just those the government thinks should. You're listening to The Alan Nathan Show. Going to be right back. In December, LastPass, a popular app for managing passwords, suffered a security breach, potentially exposing millions of people's personal information. When a business created to protect passwords gets hacked, it's a reminder how vulnerable our sensitive information can be when stored in the cloud. And for businesses who need to protect data, security is a top concern. To help prevent security risks, the open directory platform provider JumpCloud recently introduced a password manager, JumpCloud's Antoine Jabara. Businesses cannot always rely on an offline solution as users need to share and access passwords across multiple devices. And cloud-based options aren't ideal either. JumpCloud Password Manager takes a hybrid approach, storing data on users' devices and seamlessly syncs user vaults to multiple devices in an end-to-end encrypted way. This addresses some of the limitations of cloud-based systems and bridges the gap between convenience and security. To learn more, visit jumpcloud.com. Vitamin B12 is important for supporting not only our metabolism, but also our energy levels. Our brain and our nerves need certain vitamins like B12 in order to function properly. Even if you're eating all the healthy foods like fruits and vegetables and getting you know great sources of protein, it's sometimes the case that you can become deficient in one or more nutrient, and that's where supplements can be helpful. So if you want to support your B12 levels, Jaro's Methyl B12 is a great supplement to consider to optimize your B12 levels. This type of B12 is recognized by the body, so it's delivered to your cells more efficiently. It's also been shown that it is a great way to make sure that you're getting a highly absorbed form of vitamin B12 and one that's gonna be retained better than other types of B12. You can learn more at jaro.com. If you came across someone struggling with hunger, how would you recognize them? By their clothes, their age, the way they speak? Would you notice a 16-year-old boy who got got his first first job, not for extra spending money, but to help feed his little sisters? Or a mother who's in between jobs and sometimes goes to bed hungry so her kids can have dinner? Or a 14-year-old girl who signs up to every after-school activity not to make friends, but just to get something to eat? Or a retiree who fell ill and had to choose between getting medicine or groceries. I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. People you pass by every day but never knew were hungry. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America, 200 Food Bank Strong, and the Ad Council. My name is Judy Teeter, and I'm the mother of three boys. My youngest, Joe, was a great kid. He loved sports, music, and his youth group. One day, Joe asked me to drive him to an after-school event, which was about a mile from our home. I was driving through a green light when a car in cross-traffic ran a red light and drove right into the side of our car, killing Joe. The driver was talking on her phone, so she never even saw the red light. She was so absorbed in her phone call. Before the crash, I didn't realize just talking on a cell phone while driving was so dangerous. Now it's something I think about every day. According to the National Safety Council, about one in four car crashes involves a cell phone. Hands-free is no safer. When you're behind the wheel, put away your phone. For Joe and for the thousands of needless deaths every year. Remember, there is no safe way to talk on a cell phone while driving. Find out more at nsc.org slash callskill. 
I'm Ben Affleck, and I want to thank you for joining me and supporting paralyzed veterans of America. Our vets need you. I'm a quadriplegic. I'm definitely at risk with my diminished lung capacity. I have MS. I'm in a wheelchair, and I can't leave the house because I have a compromised immune system. I'm very concerned about would there be a bed for me? Would there be a ventilator for me? Would I be able to survive something? It's, it's just heavy. You know, it's, it's a heavy... It's a heavy moment. This is a war. This really is. Our veterans fought for us. Let's fight for them. I am so grateful for the PVA. They're making sure that we have all of the food and supplies that we need right now. We all got to help each other right now. We can't get through this by ourselves. It's with profound gratitude that you're going to be saving our lives. To find out how you can help, please go to helppva.org. That's H-E-L-P-P-V-A dot org. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Every year is Alan Nathan, the militant moderate. Once again, this is the Oasis for those who have an aversion to the left-right, black-white, two-dimensional approach. Been covering a number of things here, but pretty much all under the uh, umbrella of these um, incredibly thunderously uh, low numbers for Biden right now. There's this um, cataclysmically critical ABC Washington Post poll showing that Americans widely think that Trump did a better job of the economy than as Biden and that this uh, current occupant of the Oval Office is not mentally or physically fit for the job, thus handing him a 36% approval rating. Uh, he has dropped in the polls with blacks, with Hispanics, is, with Asians. A 30-point drop with uh, blacks. Pretty close to the same with uh, Hispanics and Asians. I mean, just, just precipitously so. And it's attributable to pretty much with the economy. And, of course, the economy was indirectly um, mauled, if you will, by these oppressive COVID protocols that were put in place. Uh, we've seen uh, a whole lot of uh, corrections that have gone on. I mean, fortunately, last June, the New England Journal of Medicine pointed out that natural immunity actually offers greater COVID protection than vaccinated immunity. Even the NBC people reported on this June 22nd, 2022. A multitude of people reported in January that the um, gold standard Cochrane study made it abundantly clear that um, imposing masks had little to no difference when it came to preempting the transmission of COVID. And, of course, don't even get me started on the lockdowns. Without further ado, we have assisting in the opining and analyzing Leslie Manukian, president and founder of Health Freedom Defense Fund, HFDF. She is a former successful Wall Street business, business executive and award-winning documentary a filmmaker. She's very concerned about the Centers for Disease Control fighting for the power to make us do almost anything under the guise of public health. She insists that they cannot be permitted to succeed, and I agree with her. Leslie, good to have you on board. How are you today? Great to be with you. I'm terrific. It's actually sunny and nice where I am instead of snowing like it's been doing so. <laughs> yeah, well, same here. Same here as well. Um, <laughs> listen, I want to dive right into this because uh, we only have so much time left before the end of the hour. Of Again, former NIAID head, uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci, and even people like, uh, you know, the American Federation of Teachers president, Randy Weingarten. These guys are in real time denying blame for the COVID protocols and lockdowns, for which they, of course, verifiably advocated during the pandemic. But I think people have longer memories. They can recall how repeatedly wrong uh, organizations like even the CDC uh, we're, we're, we're exposed as being, or am I seeing too much into this? No, you're 100% right. Listen, CDC, we, we won the travel mask mandate. Our lawsuit, Health Freedom Defense Fund's lawsuit, struck down the federal mask mandate whenever you boarded an airplane, a train, any kind of a bus or anything at a, um, a travel conveyance, at a travel hub, you had to wear a mask because of CDC's rule. And we struck that down in our lawsuit. Um, April of 2022, and it took two days before CDC actually said that they were going to appeal this lawsuit, their loss. And then when they did appeal, it, they did not request a stay of the district court's ruling, which proves that it wasn't an issue of matter of life or death, right? If it was a matter of life or death, they would have been on it instantaneously, and they weren't. 
And they couldn't, back, they couldn't back up anything, especially with the masks. I mean, the mask is a matter. I was saying this also long before the Cochrane, uh, not that I know more than the Cochrane study, but I was, you know, in this business, I've got to have my defecation consolidated. I need, I'm not a part, I'm an aggressive centrist. I'm not with the left or the right. Um, I'll agree with, um, you know, conservatives and that are for smaller government, lower taxes, originalist judges. I, I, you know, I, I support the Constitution as um, having very specific mandates versus as the living document like the Democrats do, because going their direction, all of a sudden our protections under the Bill of Rights become less guaranteed simply because of the age of their text. So I'm against that as well. But I, I am personally a social progressive, pro-choice, pro-gay rights, pro-gay marriage, pro-social safety nets and all that. But... Um, I, I really have a problem with the left believing that in the name of science, they get to push on to a general populace that which has nothing to do with science. And, and the masks really roiled me because for well, quite a while before say- even the Cochrane study came out, we learned that aerosols are what spread over 90% of COVID. And these aerosols are only one-seventeenth the size of the pores found in the very finest of surgical masks, while they're also only one-eightieth the size of the pores found in the finest of cloth masks. Now, this means that the Democrat politicized portion of the medical community was caught red-handed, knowingly harming millions just to keep us frightened enough to let them retain increased powers for even greater subsequent control, and the cracks... And they're, they're, uh, in the ground under their feet are becoming more and more apparent, or am I being too hopeful about this? No, you're 100% right. Listen, CDC published its own study reviewing 14 randomized controlled trials in May of 2020, reviewing the impact of masks on spread of influenza, and they found there was no impact. Their own study, and yet they did not, that did not stop them from issuing their mandate um, eight months later. And then on top of that, the statute on what, under which they are claiming this authority says nothing about intruding into the lives of millions, in fact, tens of millions of healthy Americans who might be traveling that day. It specifically grants the CDC the power to exterminate, investigate, exterminate, disinfect, fumigate contaminated or infected animals and articles prevent the spread into the country or across state lines to people, not anything about perfectly healthy people. They, they are required by law, if they're ever going to intervene in an individual's life, to prove that that person actually is infected with something, and they didn't do that. So, I mean, they are just, it's exactly what you said in your last comments, that the CDC and the Biden administration, unfortunately, are interpreting the statute in a new way that will grant unlimited authority to CDC. Because what they're saying is that we filed, and after we filed, then they said, oh, we're claiming this authority because we're sanitizing. It's sanitation. A mask is a sanitation action. But it didn't work, uh, right? It it didn't work. It failed. No, one, it didn't work. It it didn't work. And there's, I mean, I could go into all the science, but here's what I really want you to understand. They are claiming it's a sanitation event post hoc. After we filed, they never, ever said anything about it being sanitation. And they are construing sanitation as justification to allow them to do anything they want related to preventing disease. But even Fauci later on said he was wrong to tell people to wash down their groceries, and he acknowledged that the surface life didn't last very long. That's why the masks were useless. It wasn't for the droplets were not what we found spreading COVID. It was aerosols. And again, as I've already mentioned, these aerosols, were much, much smaller than the pores of the masks that were supposed to keep them out. He acknowledged that surface-level contamination uh, was uh, was overplayed. Um, this is really going to come back and haunt uh, the CDC's aggregate reputation for years to come, will it not? Alan, everything was overplayed. And my point is that they are trying to grab power that they never had before. And if they get it, if they win, their power is unlimited in terms of what they can do. They won't have it. The opinions you hear on the Main Street Radio Network are those of the host, callers, and guests, and not necessarily those of the station, Main Street Radio Network, its management, or advertisers. The information on the Main Street Radio Network does not constitute a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or securities. So please, consult a professional before investing. If you have any questions or comments about Main Street Radio Network, contact us at 703-719-0433 or at our website, MainStreetRadioNetwork.com. 